Welcome to Lunch Break, a special weekly series of The Eternal Entrepreneur that gives you bite-sized pieces of wisdom on how to build a functional faith and business. Each episode impacts a short, actionable topic you can put into practice this week. Let's get into it. Well, hello again. Thank you for joining us for Lunch Break. I am Pierce Brantley, co-host of The Eternal Entrepreneur, and today we are going to continue our conversation around work ethic. We're going to talk about what happens when work gets a little bit twisted. What happens when we start to work hard? Specifically, how do we know when we move past just working hard and we've moved into workaholicism? Workaholicism. Is it possible to be about the kingdom, have a missional company, be about marketplace ministry, and also be a workaholic? And I think this is a really important conversation to have, especially with Christian entrepreneurs, because we can be so driven by the mission, so focused on uh, what we see as eternal kind of outcomes. And you mix that with a kind of a Christian culture, which is, you know, store up treasure in heaven. And you think, well, man, I need to store up as much as I can. And before you know it, you can begin to have a separation between what it is you do during the day and what it is you are called to do, which can be very confusing. We can often feel that things are disjointed before we actually can identify it. We kind of get a soul speak situation going on here. Sometimes it comes in the form of burnout. Sometimes that comes in the form of a close loved one or friend telling us a little bit about what it looks like to have you absent from their lives. So I think it's a really healthy conversation to have. And I'm actually really looking forward to talking to you all about it, even though it feels perhaps like a sober sort of conversation. It's not really meant to be. It's actually cool. So Joe and I were planning the podcast uh, as we do. Uh, We do it typically at the beginning of the week. And it just came up in natural conversation Uh, what it looks like to have work ethic move from just hard work into something that hardly looks like it's of any heavenly value at all. We got, you know, just on a really good kind of thread about it. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, I should really talk about this because it's something I'm kind of passionate about. I'll tell you a little bit more about my story in uh, this as well. And then I had the uh, pleasure of being on uh, another show here recently that'll be coming out here in the next couple months. And this is where the conversation headed as well. And so it came up twice in the week. And I was thinking, you know, I should really kind of share kind of my experiences with it and where I've seen it show up in other people. Uh, That way, uh, you know, we can keep on the up and up because it's hard to think of hard work as being hypocrisy. But if we have a business, an enterprise that's meant to be glorifying God in every single aspect of what we do, then work and the way in which we work actually has uh, something to do with testimony. It actually says something about our relationship with God. And I don't say that in any kind of condemning kind of ultra spiritual way, but the way in which we work says something about who we work for. And so if there is a twist, if there is a bent in the way we approach the thing that is supposed to be full of intimacy, then we need to see that and we need to do our best to repent of it because repentance 
is always putting us on a good path. It's just, it's like a chiropractor adjustment. It's getting us to sit up, stand up straight again, to have good posture towards what we do. And so that's why I want to talk about this today. So a little bit about my own backstory. Some of you may know a little bit about it, but you know, I grew up uh, well below the poverty line and uh, it was actually a point of pride in my family. We'd go, did you know, you know, we're, we're below the poverty line and we're still surviving. It was something that we would talk about quite often uh, that, you know, hey, did you know we only did $8,000 this year and we still made it. And as a kid, I didn't know whether that was good or bad. I know those who told it to me seemed to think it was shocking, but also seemed to have a little kind of glint in their eye. And this kind of pride about lack continued on all the way up through high school. And an interesting thing started to happen in high school that I didn't realize to be formative in a negative way for the rest of my life. And it was that we moved way out into the country, uh, which is, you know, neither good nor bad. I love the country. But what happened was we started working extremely hard on the land and extremely hard doing odd jobs. And we were always behind financially. The family was always behind financially. Six months without making a a mortgage payment or uh, not having food, oftentimes having to uh, uh, be told that, hey, listen, if you want to go to school, you need to find your own gas money in order to get you there. But at this entire same time, there was a, uh, a real pride in the fact that we were making ends meet regardless. Now, this had a boiling point for me. At a certain point when I was able to leave home and I left pretty early, uh, I left at 19 and didn't look back for quite a few years, I became, what is the nicest way to say this, obsessed with never going back to that point. I had been in a lack vacuum for so long, I was willing to do just about anything to leave it. And so I worked like mad like mad the stories I was telling earlier this week on a regular basis, I would work all nighters. We're talking 24 hour stint and then another 24 hour stint. I wouldn't typically do them back to back, but I would do two in a week, you know, something like a, I would start work on a Sunday night uh, and then work through Monday. Typically I'd try that again on a Thursday or something like that or a Wednesday Uh, start work on Wednesday and work through Thursday and not sleep. And it was, it came from this sense of I can make something happen and I'm going to prove to myself that I can. And you become feverish, not in the health sense, but in the drive sense, when you're able to kind of prove to yourself that you can make a goal happen, you kind of get obsessed about continuing to make the goals happen happened. What was confusing about that was, you know, it brought me a, a, what I'd say is a measure of success. You know, if you are putting in 80 hours, 90 hours a week, uh, when everyone else is doing a, a dimsel 40, well then, you know, uh, by inches or by miles, you know, uh, your, your vehicle of, um, 
of income and of, of initiative begins to outpace them. But something else happens. And it's a little bit obvious, I suppose, but you begin to have no time for relationships. You begin to have no time for rest. And those have other really serious outcomes on the body, on the mind, on the soul. But I didn't really recognize them at the time because I wanted to build a business and I wanted to stay away from the the poverty that I'd kind of grown up in. And so that was a real kind of, you know, uh, uh, driver for me. But what I've noticed is that my story, even though it comes from a place of literal poverty, is not so different from what I'll say is the poverty mindset of work that I see in a lot of business owners. I was talking to a good uh, Christian business owner the other day, has a very successful company. And he told me, you know, straight faced that if he didn't see his wife or his kids for a month, that it didn't matter. And because the mission of his company was so important that it was a sprint that was absolutely worth uh, the taking uh, because what he was doing was so, so important to him. And it shocked me, but what I see is, you know, a pattern of this, and it's not across the board, but there seems to be an exchange where, you know, if we were just, you know, let, let's just say we were, I don't know what we were doing. We were doing something that it was a business that may have not necessarily lined up with King of Values. Uh, I'm just going to give a hypothetical, like let's say uh, the arms industry um, or something um, uh, in the adult industry. And we would say, oh man, you know, uh, you gain the world, but you lose your soul and, you know, kind of tisk tisk and, uh, and, and discount any of the money or the success that came you know, from, from them pushing in that arena. However, if you have a business that somehow has a mission behind it, we seem to be perfectly fine sacrificing the soul uh, in order to gain what we think is the outcome, the good outcome, the kingdom outcome of what it is we are trying to accomplish. And because, you know, we're framing it in terms of doing the Lord's work, we give ourselves a little bit of a pass because it's all supposed to be going towards a good thing, but it's not. And the reason it's not is because one of the things we have to be cognizant of as uh, eternal entrepreneurs is we are not kind of the captains of our own ship fully. We are not the, uh, the, the ultimate outcomes of our own destiny. Uh, we are in many ways uh, partnering uh, with the Almighty, and we have intimacy with Him, hopefully, and we are trying to do things in lockstep as much as we can with the way that He would have the world work. And when we sacrifice and we overextend the amount of time we put into our businesses, what it's saying is that we are the sole drivers of whether or not it will be successful. And while many successful business owners would never say they identify with a poverty mindset, the reality is, is if we can't step away from the work, then we are assuming that lack is the only outcome of stopping when it's not. 
The Holy Spirit invites us to enter rest. Most of the time, it talks about the work the Lord has done as being finished and inviting us to be a part of that. Now, you can say, well, Pierce, you know, that has to do with the work of the cross. That has to do with the covenant. Uh, yes. But there's a model in that in which from now on, as brothers and sisters uh, with enterprise, uh, we also are not working from a place of lack. And to work from a place of lack, meaning to never stop, really is uh, an exercise in a lack of faith. And that does not by any means mean that, hey, we need to you know, have good business processes or actually operate a business by the science and uh, mechanics that make a good business successful. But what I'm saying is, if your belief is that you have to continue on constantly in order to keep your business operational, and you believe that your business is also somehow supposed to be in line with kingdom values, then uh, there's uh, there's a there's a weak link in the chain uh, because they can't both be true. They can't both be true. One of my favorite verses as it relates to this, the Lord showed this to me, I want to say it's probably 2018. I never picked it up before. It was Proverbs 10, 22. This is the New Living Translation. It says, the blessings of the Lord make a person rich and, and he adds no sorrow with it. How many times have you been uh, burning the midnight oil and you are sorrowful about the work you're doing and you kind of try and band-aid that by saying well I'm doing the work that no one else would do you know I'm laying a foundation that no one else would be willing to weigh you know this is going to have really good outcomes uh, I, I'm doing what no one else uh, would typically do and you kind of pat yourself on the back but the reality is, um, yes, you may be making a sacrifice that no one else has been willing to make, but it's costing you something. You're in debt in another arena in your life because of the sacrifice. And I'm not saying there aren't points in time where you need to invest what needs to be invested, but we're going to talk about that here in a minute. If we believe that we serve a good father. And if we believe that he uh, owns the cattle on a thousand foothills, so to speak, meaning, you know, uh, he owns it. He owns a lot. Uh, as it relates to operating our businesses, we need to realize who we are working for and who we have access to and who is willing to help us. And if we are spinning our tires and uh, continually working for the sake of, of just trying to to move something forward and it's not coming from a place of abundance it's not coming from a place of trust in what uh, the Lord could do then our standard operating procedure so to speak is not one of faith it's one of function one in which my only function is continuing to work because that's what I've signed up for so the Bible talks about treasure. We we're talking about this earlier. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
So what does this mean for work? Well, if we are overworking, we're not stopping our work, then our treasure is in some way connected to the hours that we're working. That's just the truth. And you may say, well, Pierce, that's not fair. I have to do this. If I don't do it, no one else will. And hey, listen, I've been there. Uh, The first business I sold was a sole proprietorship. And uh, it took a lot, a lot, a lot of work. It took too much work. But here's reality. Uh, If our treasure is where our heart is, then our treasure should be in places that are aspirational. And that means being committed to letting the Holy Spirit give us wisdom in terms of how to operate all functions of our business. We're all moving from dysfunction to function. We're all moving from glory to glory. We're all moving from chaos to creative energy as the Holy Spirit works through us. And so we need to give him that permission uh, to change our perspective towards what we work towards. And this is really important as it relates to how we operate our companies because uh, vision, vision is going to dictate where we put our energy. And if we believe even subconsciously that if we stop, the business is going to stop, then what we have is a vision of lack. What we have is the highest thing I can aspire to is my own effort my own initiative, my own willingness to grind. And you're just not that special. You're not. You're just not that capable. And uh, the anointing, whatever anointing you have on your life, is not going to drive you into the ground. It doesn't work that way. You can't use a holy function for an unholy cause. Uh, If you're going to be set apart for the Lord's purposes, then be set apart for the Lord's purposes and uh, find uh, that place of intimacy in the secret place with the Lord that is going to direct where your energy propels you to. Because when the Lord blesses something, he does it without sorrow. How many people have you met in your life who have uh, found some kind of success have found some kind of uh, identity in what they've accomplished in life, but there is serious sorrow attached to it. There is serious regret attached to it. And it was because on some level they were operating from a poverty mindset that said, I have to give up something in order to acquire whatever this, this uh, title is in my life whether that's wealth or, you know, uh, or fame or um, being able to retire at a certain age or have a certain number in their bank account. Uh, they came from a place of poverty uh, in the mind, in the heart. Their heart uh, was in the wrong place and investing in the wrong things. How do we shift where we invest, so to speak? How do we put our, uh, our investments uh, our treasure hunting uh, in a different place. It really starts with with vision. And it, that vision starts with the foundation. The first is that I am not serving a father who has lack. Now, I'm not talking about prosperity theology. If uh, you think that's where I'm headed, it's not. 
I do not necessarily think that Christians are supposed to be the happiest, wealthiest, most successful people uh, on the planet. Uh, I think the Lord gives us agency to pursue some things. Um, but if the gospel is summed up in wealth, then uh, we have the wrong gospel. That's a very American mindset. Anyway, rant done uh, off the soapbox. Uh, but vision, vision, uh, the right vision, a vision of the kingdom is going to encompass, encase, uh, be held up by kingdom values. One of which is that it is the Lord that builds the house. It is the Lord that builds the house. It is the Lord that builds the business. He is the bedrock by which everything else comes up against, is, is strengthened by. So with that in mind, we should not be working in a way that is disassociated from the way in which he works and the way in which he operates. All right, so how do we implement this? What's this look like on a Tuesday afternoon uh, when we're stressed and we got to get things done and there's real work uh, to be had? The business really needs to meet certain KPIs and get certain things done. It starts with asking the Lord for a vision, a renewed vision of how your business should exist uh, here on earth. It starts with just having a conversation with Holy Spirit and saying, hey, God, I need your help here. In some ways, I don't know what I don't know. But what I want to know is, is there any part in the way I work that is operating from a place of lack, that is operating from a poverty mindset? Is there any part in the way I work that says, that agrees with the idea that if I stop, the whole thing is going to fall apart, that you aren't going to hold the thing together? And maybe there isn't, and that's great. And if there is, he'll show you. He will absolutely show you. And the great thing is, is that he will help you get your processes and your procedures and your ways of uh, operating uh, in place in such a way that there'll be wisdom behind it. You know, uh, those who know me know that I love the story of Solomon, uh, when uh, the visiting queen comes to see him and she looks at even at his silverware on the table and she goes, there must be something divine going on here because down to the very minutia, down to the way the table is set, this guy is connected to God in some way. And so Solomon in that sense is like an aspirational identity to me because this treasure is in the right place. The guy with the right title, the guy with all the wealth in the world, has uh, no real treasure uh, around him. It's somewhere else. And because of that, there is an effect in the room around him. And that's what we want to leave people with. We want to leave people with a testimony that shows that the way we operate says something about who we know. Okay, guys, that's all I've got for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in every Monday and every other Friday to continue the conversation with us. Until then, Eternal Entrepreneur, have a great week. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend. It would help us out tremendously. Also, if you'd like to stay in touch and get a free copy of the first chapter of Pierce's new book, Calling, 
how to partner with God in any business, with any boss, at any place in life. Then click on the link in the show notes to sign up for our weekly email. Or visit piercebrantley.co slash podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.